This is Glass Half Full with me, Steve Twine, and where I'm joined by inspirational guests from around the world, sharing their stories, stories that may well resonate with you. Sit back and enjoy this week's Glass Half Full. So welcome to another episode of Glass Are Full with uh, me, Steve Twine, and where I'm joined uh, by inspirational guests from around the world. Now, today we are talking mental health. Yeah. As an organization, how do you support people in your organization? Um, I'm joined on the line today by, by Adam Nimai. Adam, how are you? Hey, Steve, good morning. It's great. Or I should say for me, good morning for you. Midday. Good midday. <laughs> midday. Midday. Now, Adam, you are the founder of simplementalhealth.com, uh, but you've got an interesting story and an interesting journey, how this company got founded. And uh, would you like to kick us off by just sharing that journey, a bit about your background and um, how, and how could I put this, right? Some support from a boss absolutely help you change your life would that be fair yeah absolutely so background journey and support from my boss absolutely so i spent 20 years as a cfo and senior ops leader in the healthcare industry in the united states and for the first four-fifths of it i i experienced i i i experienced significant anxiety and depression that was undiagnosed through that whole time. When I was younger in life, I had found my father's suicide and I, I just didn't get enough help that I needed. And like physical health, if you don't take care of yourself over time, everything gets worse. And so after about 15 years, a colleague at work, my boss, uh, one day called me into his office and asked me if I was feeling okay. okay. And he helped encourage me to go get help. And my life was changed because a senior executive had mental health literacy in his toolbox. He knew how to recognize that someone was struggling. He knew how to get him help. And that was this pivotal moment in my life where I said, you know what? I wasn't when I was a kid, I want to be a ski racer. I didn't want to <laughs> CFO. What happened to me, Steve? <laughs> we often go down the path that we we don't intend, don't we? <laughs> that, you know, it's like you make the plan and then the Plinko game of life. Yeah. So I, uh, I just found my calling uh, to educate leaders and inspire them mm-hmm. on the importance of putting mental health literacy in their leadership toolbox right next to finance, marketing, sales, a tool that you pull out when, when you need to. And so I started this business. And Adam, how, how ironic it is, though, that you, you were in this this healthcare company for all that time, okay? And it was 15 years before somebody actually asked you, how are you feeling, okay? You know, that, how, yeah, what, what, what's that about? You know, is everybody so focused on, targets and key performance indicators that they don't look at the human side of what's going on in the business? After my journey and 
working with executives across the country, I, I've really changed and evolved my thinking on what's really behind this behavior. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> my belief, I call it the isolation cycle. Leaders, it's it's no matter where we are in society, we were all taught these myths about mental illness. It's not real. Okay. And those myths lead to these stigmas. So, and the stigmas lead to a feeling of shame and silence. And so we've spent eternity educating ourselves on myths of mental illness. And so I don't begrudge, I, I'm not surprised now. I think for a while at first I was angry. I'm mm -hmm. like, how can I work for this company full of nurses? And every year I say I'm in my personal evaluation that I'm proud of the facilitative leader I be I am, but I don't like how I behave 10% of the day when I can't control my emotions. Okay. And it's I don't begrudge the healthcare colleagues that I had, even those in mental health. Mm -hmm. It's we We've taught ourselves these myths. We've built these stigmas. We've created these feelings of shame. And we as a society have taught ourselves to stay silent. So that that's, I'm just here to try to break that cycle. And Adam, here in the UK, I think there's, there's a figure that one in four people struggle with mental health. Is that a similar figure over in the States? I'm sorry, can you say that? I, I, you're... I said in, here in the UK they say that one in four people struggle with their mental health. Is that a similar figure in the, in the States? Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's the stat is uh, now this is pre pandemic numbers, right? Yep. So it's worse. Now we all know that 20% um, of Americans every year experience what a clinical clinician would diagnose in a medical record as a mental illness. 5% of people in America have a significant mental illness where two or more significant life events are impacted by their mental well-being. Let's see. The here's the the kicker. You ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. A month ago, two months the situation in America is so bad. It is so bad here that the US Surgeon General the bloody U.S. Surgeon General, Steve, you know, the guy who once told us that, who told the world that cigarette, taught us all that cigarettes were bad for us, right? Yeah. Greatest myth ever before then. They weren't bad for you. A couple months ago, the U.S. Surgeon General declared workplace wellness as one of the top five population health risks wow. in the United States. He said, and it's in, read in the New York, in the Wall Street Journal a couple months ago, uh, uh, a direct quote, something like toxic workplaces impact uh, employees' mental health and their physical health. 84% um, of Americans surveyed last year report that mental health will be a significant factor when they choose their next employer. We're, we're, we're in a really bad situation, Steve, but I think it's the greatest opportunity ever. It's because we know it, we got it. Now, if we can just start talking about it and tell each other our stories, mm. we're at, I really believe we're at an inflection point.
And I think uh, we can do something about it. And, and Adam, you know, the, the mental health struggles, how does that reflect itself in, in the workplace? You know, with there must be some traits in the workplace that happens, like I don't know, absenteeism, I, you know, things like that. Is, is that reflected? Absolutely. So workplace wellness and mental health drives attendance, so absenteeism. Mm -hmm. It drives retention. It drives individual productivity, team dynamic, employee engagement, and overall performance. And I'll, I'll give you an example, okay? Mm -hmm. When faced with anxiety in an anxiety or a panicky situation, you know, science has taught us that we all respond with a fight or flight emotion. Yeah. And so... What happens in the workplace, some examples of me, I would be short-tempered with people. I could be angry. I could be manipulative. I could be a real son of a bitch. And it was just so unbelievably out of character. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the, you know, what you when you take something like a mental health first aid class and you become mental health literate and you, you learn the signs to look for in people, what I started looking for in the workplace was are people, am I experiencing people differently? Are they much more aggressive than they normally would be? Or are they holding back much more than they normally would? Okay. And is their productivity uh, gone down? And then frankly, there's an empathetic, how do you just look as a person? You know, we're, we've all, the, the, one of the tragedies of traditional leadership is that it taught us that people, that colleagues, our employees, who are supposed to leave their emotions at the door and not have, <laughs> and what mental health literacy teaches a leader is that people are nothing. You, you trying to separate a, feeling from a person yeah and and adam you know when that boss supported you and he was still within the the organization you started doing talks i understand as well okay you you, you got a platform and you, and you did talks around the organization before you went on to form your own company is that right yeah, yeah. what happened was is i it made me feel good when i showed back i i had a complete emotional breakdown i was the leader of our health plan mm -hmm. And I had a complete emotional breakdown and I was gone from work for a long time. And when I came back, I needed to share with everybody where I was because they wanted to know. And what I found was that by sharing my story, by sharing facts about mental illness, but the prevalence of it, of facts about how it impacted me and sharing how it felt, and giving tips that leaders could put in their toolbox to make a difference the next day. It, it was part of my own healing, mm -hmm. right? It was, so I just, I started volunteering to give talks to any leadership venue I could find um, because uh, I don't, I mean, I, I'm not a therapist, so I can't tell you why, but I mean, after 20 years of not talking with anyone about my dad's suicide, 
I really needed to stand in front of a lot of people and talk about this. And so talking about it was part of my healing. And then the feedback that I got from people was just made me feel really good. And so I just I guess, kept doing and, and I guess sharing that story, you know, the, that, that, that would have resonated with people in some way, shape or form. They may have not experienced everything that you'd experienced, but they'll experience some of those feelings, maybe, you know, a feeling of isolation, a feelish of, uh, let's put it like hiding away themselves really in a corner rather than being themselves. And there's, there's all different ways people that, that anxiety and it manifests in people. It's all different, isn't it? For some, for people, you know, and you sharing that story would have resonated. And so I guess that helped start changing the culture or hopefully in the organization you were with, but then you made, you made the big decision and you went, Adam, you're going to do your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how did that feel? Was it liberating? Was it scary? <laughs> it started, Steve, as this bubbling calling. Okay. Right? I've known I wanted to live a life of self-actualization. I knew that I was on my path and the right path for me, but I knew it wasn't my destination. Mm -hmm. I always knew that on the inside why I was going through all these struggles. And... Once I started talking about this and coming up with the idea, I knew that this was my future. But I, 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 I went through two processes after I crashed. I mean, I did all this stuff at work, but I took me, it's nine years and my recovery is a day-to-day -day challenge, right? I woke mm -hmm. up today and I had to think, what do I do healthcare-wise to make sure that when I talk with Steve, I'm at my best, right? right? Okay, yeah. And so what happened was, is I went through this journey of antidepressants, cognitive therapy, trauma therapy called EMDR, a lot of hot yoga, mm -hmm. a lot of other self-care things. And over the course of five years, I, through my recovery, I got to a point where I felt like I had conquered the ability to deal with depression when it came up later in my life. Okay. And I had my own little, I really had a uh, spiritual awakening and I, I crossed the finish line of my, the traumatic part of my journey. And when that happened and it was a really neat, I mean, I can go back to a nine day thing that happened to me that changed my life um but when that happened i got for the first time in my life self-love mm -hmm. self-trust self-respect self-confidence and before that in my life i was you know a tough executive i wore those things as a mask yeah you know, it's funny just talking with you today. It um, seems quite emotional. Well, it just, it never really dawned on me till just now that another real indicator of my own mental well being, and I suspect other people's too, is do you have that self love? Mm -hmm. Do you have that self trust? Do you have that self respect? Do you have that self confidence? And if you ask yourself those questions and the answer is no in my heart, no, I don't, mm. then maybe that's a 
a sign or a trigger to maybe go get some help because okay. really sorry for the it just I'd never it's that's the power that's the power of talking Adam it's the power of sharing you know and Things mental happen. health is a journey. well-being is a journey it is that was really thank you that was yeah, it, it is so, so there you are you know with simple mental health now when you, you're looking to spread the the news and and get involved and help people so, so tell me a little bit about the company and the work that you do do you work with businesses individuals coaching consulting what tell me a little bit more about that well we give we work with large businesses and associations we give mm -hmm. keynote speaks to con excuse me keynote speeches um, to large association conferences to educate inspire and give tools mm -hmm. and we run leadership team building courses and workshops to bring leadership teams together get them to understand the importance of mental health literacy we get them start telling their stories together mm -hmm. then at that team building leadership process it starts cascading down through the company and so my goal is you know the the world has done a great job in investing in workplace wellness programs. There's all these amazing programs out there mm -hmm. that we've all invested in, <clears throat> but they're strategies. And we all know from a business perspective that culture eats strategy for lunch, mm. excuse me, for breakfast and lunch and dinner, I guess. And dinner. <laughs> so, yeah. So when uh, uh, the these workplace wellness programs aren't matched with the leadership culture of the organization. The well, it's like eating soup with a fork. You're just really <laughs> busy, but you're still really hungry. And so what we do is we go upstream and we start with the lead, the board, the leadership team and say, you got mental well-being is a leading driver of your organization's performance. We all know that. You all don't know what to do about it. And we're here to help you. And we can do it with the four-hour workshop. We'll start you on your journey. That, that's what we do. And, and and how well received is this? Do, do, do you get something, some companies that just are in complete denial, right? Or um, I guess there must be a, a, a line on a continuum where the, there must be some people over here that go, hey, we're in, you know, we've got the strategy, we've got this, we've got that, we've got this all covered, Adam, it's all sorted. And then you've got the other end of go, you know what, we really need help here. Yeah. Do you find that? Steve, it, I am here to tell you, I really believe, I can't speak for the world, I can speak for this country, we're at an inflection point. Mm. COVID and the pandemic, you know, as horrible and sad as what that was, it's done mental health a wonderful thing. It created such, it made us worse, but it gave us that awareness. And we have that awareness now. So when I go talk with leaders, before the pandemic, I would say that 30 or 40% of the leaders I spoke with we're nodding their heads and like this, they totally got it, right? Hmm. Because we all have lived experience. Hmm. I mean, listen, 20% of every board, look at the board of directors of any organization. You know what? One out of five, one out of four of them every year. And it's a different 20%, different 25% every year, right? Yeah. Um, and so 
talking with them and helping them see the the great let me put it another way what would business leaders do if one out of every four or five of their employees had cancer this year we would behave differently very much an inflection point now because people get that now people see it and people don't know what to do. So post-pandemic, if pre-pandemic, I had 40% of the people interested. Post, it's it's more like 70 or 80. And the difference, what, what happens, Steve, is... Oh, okay, you want to know something funny? Yeah, go on it. You can tell within like 10 minutes if the conversation is going to be fruitful or not. What happens is, is I tell my story, right? And then... Within 10 minutes, they tell me their story because everybody has a story. That's what happened is when I started as an executive at, at my company, talking about it, it it, un- it gave people permission to start talking. So when I'm with an executive, right, and they say, they go, yeah, you know, let me tell you my story, which then that's the sort of person who is, I know, is going to be interested in the conversation. Yeah. It's the people who just kind of sit there like this and they wear the mask of an executive and they say, well, how will this help my business? Mm. If someone asks me that right away, it it's an indicator that they're not part of that 80%. And it's been pretty remarkable. And it's, but again, I am so, see, we're an inflection point society. Mm -hmm. I I am at the, I've been doing this now for seven years and I'm at the leadership grassroots level. And I can, I feel, see and see a difference every single day out there. And it just, uh, it gives me I get a little goosebumps. Yeah, it's so cool. So, Adam, where, whereabouts are you based, and and do you do you work just work in the states, or can you work online with people? Or is face to face important? Uh, you know what I for these conversations, for our con for our keynotes for our workshops, I believe that in person is always better. Mm-hmm. We do work on Zoom, but I actually when I started the business knowing that we wanted to have a national and global reach. I moved from a smaller town in the Northwest of the U S and Oregon to Atlanta, Georgia, so that I could be at the largest airport in America to be able to fly anywhere in the world to go talk with people. Because like you said, you know, if one in four people in the UK, it's a lot mental illness. We're a, Mental well-being, our mental health were such an impact of our backgrounds, right? And how we grew up. So think what it must be like in third world countries mm-hmm. in Africa. I mean, I, 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 we don't even, I don't even talk about that. We can't even, it's so further down mm-hmm. the list. So yeah, so move to Atlanta. We go anywhere. Okay. So if they want to yeah, Adam, if people want to find out more about you, how can they get in touch with you? Absolutely. Well, first, you just call me directly at 503-970-2050. Mm-hmm. You can 
get us online at simplementalhealth.com. And you can find us on all the social media handles. We put content out daily on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And we're, our handle is Simple Mental Health. Cool. I've just shared one of your posts this very morning, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you liked it. It did. I did. Look, it was great talking to you and wish you well. And um, as you always say, whatever you're going to be doing for the rest of your day, have a truly amazing day. Steve, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to chat with you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Wish you well. Be well, you too. Well, thank you for joining me on this week's Glass Half Full podcast. If you'd like to join me as a guest, then why not get in touch? You can email me at steve at stevetwynham.com. And also, if you're looking for a radio station that is that little bit different, that brings you all about well-being and happiness and personal development and great music too, and then check out Yawa Radio. That's Yawa spelt Y-O-W-A-H dot co dot UK. Check out Yawa Radio, bringing that feel-good feeling to every single day of the week. So once again, thank you for joining me on today's Glass Half Full podcast. It is produced and presented by myself, Steve Twynham, and copyright applies. And whatever you're doing for the rest of your day, have the best day you possibly can.